Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals improving performance to drive business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you this afternoon. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the program Assistant Dean for Mentoring at Weill Cornell Medicine and Chief Learning Officer for the Department of Anesthesiology at Weill Cornell Medicine, Dr. Ruth Gotian. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you. How are you? We are doing great. And Dr. And Dr. Ruth, if you don't mind, before we get too far into things, can you talk about this Mentoring Academy? What is it and how did it come about? Yes. Well, this is actually something that we just launched in May of 2018 at Weill Cornell Medicine. And the reason is the, the dean of our medical school, uh, Dr. Augustine Choi, he had this vision that we were so when we were really trying to promote people and get our faculty to get ahead, it seemed that the mentoring we were doing was crisis management, and we really wanted to be more proactive about it. And that's, that was the catalyst for the launch of the Mentoring Academy. I think it helped because he had some great mentors and some terrible mentors in his career, so he valued great mentorship. And um, I'm just excited that he picked me to lead it. And it's now, fun. Is the mentoring going to be happening um, for all of the the people, or is this just a select group get to be part of the mentoring? No, this is the mentoring for all 1,800 faculty members at Weill Cornell. So it's the physicians, the scientists, and the physician scientists. So it's really something for everyone. So now, for it, when you're dealing with a group that large, for some of the people, this is the first time that they'll have been mentored and uh, the first time they'll be mentoring people. Is that correct? That's correct. So we have a tagline of everyone mentor one, which means everyone should be both a mentor and a mentee. So there's always someone above you that you can seek advice from. And there's always someone who's coming up after you that you should be mentoring. And because we can't mentor all 1,800 faculty at once, and because everyone has very different needs, we offer a buffet of options into how we offer our programming. So we do small groups, large groups. We do it by faculty type. So there's some things only for physicians or only for researchers or only physician scientists or only educators. We can do it by topic. So for example, we might do how to publish, which is one of the key things to get promoted by career stage. So we might have something for the junior faculty or we might have something for the senior leadership who need it as well and often get overlooked. Um, we have peer mentors that we have where it's people at your level mentoring each other and something that we call precision mentoring, which is really making it customizable mentoring for the mentee. It's not a one-size-fits-all model. Now, how does the training work uh, where you're teaching people how to be an effective mentor and how to be an effective mentee on both sides, I guess? Right. So we actually do workshops on various topics that a good mentor needs. And we also highlight what those things might be. For example, how to give feedback, how to 
offer opportunities to people? Have you thought about cascading speaking engagements down to junior faculty or letting them know about other opportunities or helping them out with creating a manuscript? So we actually teach them how to do it in their workshops and different variations of how to do that. Now, mentoring sounds good. Is there any research that supports why it's important for an organization? Yes, yes. So there's actually quite a bit of research, and there's a whole laundry list of um, benefits to having a mentor, So, and, and both for an organization that has mentors. So people who are mentored actually make more money, and they make more money over their career. So it's not just a one-time bump in their pay. It's over their whole career. They get more promotions because their mentor says, I think you've been parked here long enough. I think it's time to find something more challenging for you. Um, people who are mentored also have greater job satisfaction. They're also more satisfied in their career. They have a higher self-efficacy. They feel that they can do things even if they weren't trained to do it. Um, they're more committed to their careers and to their jobs, which therefore leads to lower burnout, which is a huge issue now with physicians and scientists. They um, publish more, and they have something that's important for our scientists, more protected research time. It also helps the institution because it creates loyalty. And you know, every time you need to replace somebody, that first of all, there's a learning curve to bring someone new, and that comes with a high dollar cost to bringing somebody new. So when somebody stays but is constantly advancing and developing, not only is that great for the faculty member, it's also fabulous for the institution. Now, does mentoring necessarily mean sponsoring? Because um, there's a lot of people that help each other learn and be right. better at what they do, but to really kind of put political capital on the line and say, okay, this person needs to be promoted and stand up. Right. Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, so I actually think there's four different types of mentors, and it could be one person or it could be four different types of people, and a sponsor is one of them. So I always say a role model is one type, right? It's someone you want to become. So I always say I love to, I would love to connect to people the way Oprah Winfrey connects with people. I'll likely never meet Oprah, but I want to be able to connect. That's a role model for my connection with people. A mentor is somebody who talks with you, all right? Your plan is to get promoted. What are the things you need to do to get promoted? A, B, C, D. Come up with a plan. I'll help you fine-tune that plan. And then there's the coach who helps you with a very specific skill. So if you need help with public speaking because you're going to give a big presentation or a TED Talk, you might hire a coach to help you with your presentation skills or your storytelling skills. And the sponsor talks about you, and they talk about you when you're not even in the room. So when they need to recommend someone for an opportunity or an award or a grant or a promotion, they will talk about you when you're not even there. And that's a sponsor. And that could be the same person, or it could be up to four different people. Now, how do, uh, does the curation occur? How, how are you matching people up? So I actually am not a fan of matching people because that's usually done randomly over some abstract notion. So people may get paired with someone because they're from the same town or have the same clinical interests, but 
it, they may not work together and they may not have a chemistry together. So I'm actually a bigger fan of the more organic mentoring matches and of a mentoring team. So I really encourage people to put themselves in situations where they can meet a lot of people, some who are like them and some who are very different from them so that they can find mentors in different perspectives. So not just from their same industry, but other industries as well. So go to those networking events, go to those conferences, go to those receptions, go to those talks. Talk to someone when you see them in the hallway or the email or the online listservs. Those are all ways that you can network to find people. And that works for introverts who want to do it behind a screen. And that works with extroverts who want to do it face-to-face with people. There's something for everyone. But how do you um, get the person comfortable enough to be vulnerable to ask for help in this manner? So first of all, you don't have to ask someone to be your mentor, right? You wouldn't ask someone to be your friend. So you don't have to say, why be your mentor? Uh, But it just starts to happen more organically once you start talking to them and you say, look, I know that I need to be on a national committee in order to move my career along, or I am very interested in this, who do you know that can help me? Or do you know anyone that can help me with this? And that mentor will often use their network and their political capital to match you with that person. And you don't ask the first time you meet that person, you actually create a relationship. So mentoring is all about relationships. And it's all about cultivating those relationships. But as part of the program, are you giving people kind of the tools in order to elegantly do this and do this in a way that they feel comfortable? Yes, absolutely. And we create a lot of those networking events. So every major talk that we have or workshop always has a networking reception component to it so that people can have that. And we do a lot of the small group work as well so that people are comfortable working with people outside of their own department so that they can meet other people as well. So again, we do a lot of large group events for one, 200 people and small group events for four to 10 people. And so far it's been working very well. And then you've established an expectation that everybody should be mentored and everybody should mentor. Exactly. Everyone mentor one. Right. So when that expectation's there, then it's a lot easier to have these type of conversations because, you know, everybody has to do this or, or is um, kind of charged to do this. Exactly. But it it's also really helps them. So we actually have these small mentoring chats that are occurring at almost every level. So the dean, for example, holds monthly mentoring chats with the dean in his office where he meets with about five faculty members and he basically facilitates a peer mentorship of five faculty members who never met each other. And really they all have the same challenges, concerns, and he's really helping them through that and they're helping each other. And when we have a speaker come in, we do the same thing with a small group of faculty members. And every month we have a chair or a division chief who also meets with a small group of faculty members to really facilitate the peer mentoring. And that's how they develop their network. Now, prior to your role here, um, did you have a mentor or have you mentored people in the past? I have. I have, um, I have mentored in my career over 300 students. Whoa. 
and I, yeah, <laughs> and it's really the most rewarding thing ever. And I have a team of mentors. I don't just have one. I have a, a team, very senior people, uh, people who are junior to me, people who are at my level. And some of the mentors have gone in and out of my life and they have, you know, we've parked the mentor role and then they have since become friends. And I always add to the people who are mentoring me based on where I am in my career and what my interests are. And I have had a coach and I have had a mentor and I think I have sponsors because people have put my name forward for things. So um, I believe in having a whole team, your whole personal advisory board of mentors. Now, when everyone say, has something different to offer. Now, when you say have a whole team, is this something that you're like, okay, I have a hole in my swing here. Let me start seeing who in my network is somebody that can help me. Like, how are you kind of managing your career like that? Are, are you kind of, kind of getting the lay of the land? Like, who are my assets? Who are the people that can help me? Who are the people that I have to help more? Like, how, how do you manage that? So for myself or for others? For yourself. For myself. So um, first of all, you have to figure out what you're passionate about and where you want to go. And just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's where your passion is. And that was a lesson that took me a long time to learn. And once I was able to really figure out what I was passionate about, I said, okay, to get from point A to point B, here are the five things that I need to do. And then I started talking to other people and said, look, I know that I need to do X. I need to give presentations at national meetings. Do you know who I can talk to about that? So I'm not asking them to put me up for that, but I'm asking them to think about their own network. And that's less confining for them, less restrictive for them. And more often than not, people are willing to help, especially if you're good for your word and you're, you're good at what you do. So you have to make sure to always deliver. Now, in your career, were you always on this track, or did you may meander around a little bit? Oh, I meandered a lot. <laughs> I meandered quite a bit. I, um, I actually was in finance for a while, and then I left and went back into higher education and loved it. And I was actually in – I used to run the MD-PhD program for 22 years, where I did everything from – the operational side to the student affairs, admissions, process and programming side. And I loved it. They was, I did everything from grants and budgets to working with people. But then I wanted to do something the same but different and really amplify what I was passionate about. And now I've been doing that. Now, if you were giving advice to somebody that's going to start a mentoring, um, a mentoring academy or a mentoring initiative like this at their uh, organization, do you have any kind of suggestions on how to implement this in an effective manner? I do. So the first thing is go on a listening tour. So one of the first things that they teach you whenever you're going to develop programs, don't come in thinking you know all the answers really figure out what the needs are and then try to differentiate between what the needs are and what the wants are and what is already in place and just needs to be fine-tuned or amplified. And once you 
go on a listening tour and talk to senior people and junior people, you'll see some common themes emerging. And then you can start developing those common themes. See what you already have that maybe could cross departments. I see what needs to be developed, but go with what the needs are first. Figure out needs versus wants and definitely go on that listening tour. And then what about kind of the prioritization of um, kind of the must-haves and the nice-to-haves? Oh, yes. <laughs> so there are certain things that you must have and are the tried and true um, parts to mentoring, learning how to give feedback, learning how to speak with people, um, learning how to network. Those are the tried and true things that we know. And then there are things that are kind of nice to have, and you need to know how to differentiate between the two. So uh, start with the programming with the must-have. And then Ruth, you can start fine-tuning. Uh, Dr. Ruth Stone-Payton here. I've been producing and, and trying to make sure that we capture this conversation, and I am really intrigued and inspired by listening to uh, many of the things that you've had to say. One of the most recent is this idea of a listening tour. I'm going to use that. I'm going to articulate those words and I'm going to try to follow that advice. And I'll try the first few times to give you credit, but I got to warn you up front. I'm not always great about giving credit over time, but that, that's, that, I mean, that's worth the price of admission right there. So thank you for that. I got to tell you though, the, the one thing I have not heard in the conversation that's kind of surprised me and I wanted to ask you about, I sort of expected you um, to indicate that you were leaning a lot on technology to facilitate these conversations and these interactions. And I'm getting the sense that what you're doing is, is more old school, face-to-face. -face. Can you speak to that a little bit? So yes and no. I actually give a whole talk on networking for introverts. And a huge part of it is technology and really working behind a screen so that you have the time to formulate your ideas. And remember, once you meet someone at wherever the location is face-to-face, the rest is usually often remote because who, especially in the field I'm in, in academic medicine, people don't have time to meet for an hour every other Tuesday to review whatever your, your agenda is. Mm. And sometimes it's these quick questions via text or via email. Uh, and that works beautifully with a very precise question that people have. Part of networking, there's actually, and part of mentoring, there's um, an academic term called community of practice. And that means it's people who are like you in similar fields, and they can be at your institution or nationwide. And it actually, they use technology to communicate. So it's listservs and emails and chat rooms and so on. And they may have a conference where you meet face to face, but a lot of it is electronically. And the one final thing I will say is, remember I told you I have mentored students. Well, one of my favorite things to mentor was through a, a summer program that I used to run for over two decades, which mentored underrepresented minority students who wanted to become physician scientists. And in addition to having one-on-one -on -one mentors for them, we actually created a virtual mentoring community which meant if they had a question, they would post their question on this learning management system that we had, and then any of the mentors that we called Big Sibs could respond. 
So they actually got perspectives from many people and it was all done electronically and you can do it at home in your pajamas and your fuzzy slippers and people could respond whenever they were available. Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot that fascinates me about this conversation and, and what you've accomplished, not the least of which, you only touched on this earlier in the conversation, um, it's, it's almost like you have this expectation, this, uh, um, this environment, this, these behaviors or attitudes that are apparently very well expressed, modeled, rewarded, where if I'm in a meeting face-to-face or if I'm in an electronic exchange, I'm expected to sort of, sort of live by this, um, I don't know, edict's probably a little strong, but this, this, live into this principle of everyone mentor one. But, but I, I mean, I've been around long enough to know that the, you didn't just snap your fingers and pull that off. You, you did some things to inculcate that whole idea over time, didn't you? Right, since May. <laughs> so less than a year, actually. Wow. But it just, when you see everyone doing it around you, it sort of becomes the norm. And when the norm is people around you, especially those who have mentored and are being mentored, are really progressing in their career, then all of a sudden you want to be part of that. I had an email from a faculty member who said she's been on the faculty for seven years. She's never been on a committee. She hasn't really published. She didn't go to any developmental workshops. And all of a sudden she's been going nonstop and we're about to submit a paper together. Wow. Because it's all around you. It's just all around you and you want to be part of that. I think I may already know. You're in or you're out. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I may already have a good feel for this, but I'm going to I'm going to ask anyway. What, what do you find the the most rewarding about this work? Well, from someone who runs it or from mentoring? Uh, for someone who has um you know crafted this thing and, and you're and you're seeing it work. I mean, that you've got to sleep incredibly yeah. well at night and and just be walking around with your chest sticking out and so proud. I'm definitely strutting like a peacock, for sure, because you see people getting their aha moment, and I get to see that every single day. Their whole face lights up, and when you get them to really figure out what their aha moment is, what what makes their eyes open wide, and what they're very energetic about, then it's not work anymore. Then you're really excited by it. And then when I say, okay, write about it, research it, give a talk about it, they said, yes, this is what this is what I'm about. This is what I love to do. So really getting to see that all the time. But sometimes it's just peeling the layers to figure out what they're passionate about versus what they're good at. Not the same thing. Yes, and I think you are very articulate and, and um, compelling in the way that you describe that distinction. And it is sometimes hard to keep our our arms around that around that notion but it sounds like very solid counsel it has been an absolute delight learning about your work visiting with you i'd love for our listeners to have a way to tap into some of what you're doing and i don't know what's appropriate if there's if there's material that maybe you guys that have have published that it's you know it's okay and people can have some access to or if there's you know linkedin contact information whatever's appropriate um, but is there a way for those who are interested, which I think is going to be everybody who listens to this conversation, <laughs> to, to learn more you know, about what you're doing, how it might apply to their work? Absolutely. So first of all, um, 
my Twitter and LinkedIn is my name, Ruth Gotian. I'm the only one. And uh, we also have a Twitter handle for the Mentoring Academy, which is WCM Mentoring, which stands for Wild Cornell Medicine Mentoring. And you can see a lot of what we do. So on a slow month, just our standard is four to five programs a month. And that's just our standard. That's our leadership development speaker series. That's lunch with the speaker. That's a lunch with a chair or division chief. And that's a mentoring chat with the dean. And it's also a reception, a networking reception after the leadership development talk. That's every month. That's the standard. Um, we are now developing, because we've now got a very generous funding from the Manning Foundation, we are also going to be having many workshops starting next academic year to really fine-tune a lot of these skills that people need. Fantastic. So look us up at WCM Mentoring on Twitter. WCM Mentoring on Twitter. Well, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show this afternoon. Thank you so much for sharing your story, and, and please keep up the good work and keep us posted. Thank you. Thank you. We've been publishing quite a bit about mentoring, so we're really excited. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor. Our guest today, Dr. Ruth Gautian with Wild Cornell and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights.